This is TV8 My Dinner, a podcast about entertainment issues brought to you by DarkCrazy.com. Step into another dimension, a brand new journey through sound. And that's just the first hour. You're listening to TV Ate My Dinner. My name is Sean, and I'm sitting here with Brooks and Greg. Yo, yo, yo. Hey. Every Man, every week I embarrass myself. Yes, you do. What is that? Yo, yo, yo. Yeah, you really... Hello. How's that? I want, I want to commend you for jumping in on the opening of the show, though. That's new. At least you're fighting the silence. <laughs> Not waiting five seconds before you say hello, because yeah. I'm sitting here waiting on you to say hello. Because now I'm seeing that the silence where you were waiting, you were thinking of something cool to say. I was trying to think of something not embarrassing. <laughs> and you've, you've eliminated that. <laughs> no, no, it's it's just not like... even cool. It's just not embarrassing. <laughs> I'm just trying to. That's my, my goal. Could you do that, though, before you have to say it and have to wait five seconds before? You, you, you would think so. One would be tempted to think that, but apparently not. Like, before you start recording, think about what you're going to say when you say hello. Yeah, but then it, it'll sound rehearsed, you know? You'd think we'd do some preparation <laughs> before we begin the show. Well, now that we're done discussing hellos, we're going to talk about uh, w- the way movies say hello to us, I guess. The initial, the first impression you get, which is the movie trailer. It's a long tradition of, of movie trailers that date back to... I guess as long as there's been feature films, I, I don't think the original silent movies had trailers. I don't guess, but well, actually, I think they did. I mean, uh, they've had they might not have called them trailers, but they uh, had previews that advertised other movies at the beginning of movies. Uh, wow, yeah, for, even like forever. the Great Train Robbery or whatever stuff like uh, that. Birth of a Nation, all that stuff, all had you know trailer type uh, you know wow. a- advertisements at the beginning of. Uh, uh, I did not know that. How they interesting. Did. So yes. trailers have been around forever. If you read a book every once in a while, you'd know. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't read books about movie trailers. Yeah. I can tell you that. One thing that I thought, <laughs> I think there there is an interesting subject there, though. I would, I'd read a book about, I, I really think that movie trailers are also an unsung art. And I was watching a thing. You should be happy about this, Brooks, because I, I meant to mention this before. There's a show on VH1 called Free Radio. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a – it's a pretty funny show. It's one of those fake interview shows that you see popping up everywhere where the premise is that like some shock jock DJ went to satellite radio and then the moron intern took over the show and all of a sudden the ratings exploded. Oh, I think I've seen some of that. I didn't understand what it was. It's pretty funny. I've seen it on VH1 on Sundays a couple of times. But the reason I thought you might like it is that Brian guy from the Sonic commercials is like the – He's like the manager of the radio station. Oh, really? And he's pretty funny in it. See, I'm not a big fan. He He's all right. It's the girl that I really liked. Well, you know, maybe they'll hire his wife on the show. I was trying to throw you a bone, <laughs> but whatever. He was okay. He's all right. <laughs> but yeah, that's cool. I don't Screw Brian. That kind of destroys the illusion of the Sonic commercial, though. I thought they were real people. Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not real. But anyway, I guess maybe we can start off talking about trailers, by discussing some of the more well, recent the trailers, the reason I we've mentioned seen. that was they actually interviewed Don LaFontaine. Okay, on the show, in a world where trailers. Are. And you may not know him by name unless you maybe you've seen him on the Geico commercials, but he's actually the voiceover oh, guy that's right. that has yeah. voiced practically every trailer since the 1960s. And what I thought was interesting when they were talking about on the show, and why I thought it might make an interesting topic now, is. 
they were saying he he's not just the voiceover guy. He was actually one of the people back in the '60s who helped completely restructure the way of making trailers into the way that we we see trailers today, the the format that we understand trailers to be. Really? What what did he have to do with that? Well, I, I they didn't really get into the specifics. It was a fake interview show. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't do any real research. <laughs> well, I mean. But right, though, I mean, uh, it's, it's kind of what we were talking about before where, you know, trailers in, you know, old black and white or silent movies weren't necessarily the trailers like today where they would, you know, the, where they would show uh, dialogue from the movie or, or anything like that. Usually it was just, some, yeah. you know, a couple of quick cuts of action scenes. And they just and basically tell you who's in it. Well, a couple of marquee things and then maybe a, a random scene that wasn't even that exciting to the right, movie right and just you know just something to kind of uh, show that it was coming out and then yeah and then they do those big graphics across you know it's a it's a it's a extravaganza you'll laugh you'll cry you know mm-hmm. emblazoned across the screen over the over the um the film and, uh, and that's but pretty much now it. they've got it down to an art where the trailers are usually better than the movies uh yes <laughs> case in point you know star wars episode one probably uh yeah, that, that's a good uh, example because what a great trailer. That trailer made it look like that movie had it yeah. all. And it didn't. And no, but what a great trailer. <laughs> they did their job very well because it really looked just like Star Star Wars, you know? It like gave showed you everything you wanted to see. You're like, oh, there's Yoda. Oh, Sam Jackson, the movie. Whoa. Yeah, Obi-Wan meets, meets young, young Anakin. Cool. Got a bunch of robots. That crazy looking red dude with. With a dual lightsaber, this move, this movie's going to be awesome! Oh my god! Well, if so you take it, there's logic know. to this. It, it makes sense if you take a, a two-hour movie and you have access to the entire thing, and you can pick and choose the thirty-second, sixty-second, two-minute, however long, absolute best-looking shots, and just put them together. And you don't have to structure them in any way that makes sense. You just have to show them. Then it, yeah, it makes sense that a trailer could be better than a movie because there's no weaknesses, there's no room for but weakness it isn't there. It's always. all the best stuff. It's like a greatest hits album, you know, from a band being better than any individual album. Yeah, but what I liked about that particular trailer is that wasn't even a greatest hits. It wasn't even because some trailers cheat and they show you all the best stuff, and the, even down to like the last line of the movie, and you can even tell in a trailer you're like, oh, that's the last line. They just gave it away. That's the whole story. But in Star Wars, it wasn't even that. It was just random, a collage of, of clips. and But they just put it together in a way that made it look like the movie was going to be awesome. That's a great trailer. Well, I think that movie is very strong visually. And all you're seeing are visuals without the story or the annoying Jar Jar speaking and nonsense like that. All you're seeing are these just visual scenes. Then, yeah, it does look epic. It looks cool. If that were a silent film, it might have done better. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll watch it on mute. Well, it is kind of funny that people have, uh, I guess a lot of people probably agree with you in that there's been so many bootleg recuts of that movie. Yeah, I just think that it needed a few tweaks in the editing process. I really believe you could have re-edited that, that movie. Well, you ha- obviously, you'd have to take Jar Jar yeah, out. I actually think, as is, I don't want to get too too deep into the discussion of that one film, but I do think, yeah, editing. And we we were talking about this a little bit last week, how editing does save things. Oh, yeah. And in a way, it, it almost is like when you in the old days when they took the movie away from the director and gave it to the editor, it was probably better. Because it was a guy who wasn't at all passionate about the content who was like, yeah, that's crap. Click, click, click. <laughs> Just gone. Like without even, eh, it's too long. 
click. Yeah. Like, no, none of that, like that emotional attachment to the story. Like, I don't care why you thought that up or who wrote it for what reason. It ran too long, period. <laughs> and sometimes you need a guy. I think that person should be working in conjunction with the director, but, but you need that guy. And I think that's why trailers have the opportunity to show you the best of a movie because all they have to do is take those elements and just cut them into, you know, two and a half minutes of this is why you should watch the movie. And I think there's been a lot of trailers that have that have far surpassed how cool the movie is. I think there's a lot of cool trailers for cool movies too. But when we started out. Earlier, and uh, you emailed me saying, well, let's talk about movie trailers tonight. I've, I've been trying to think ever since of some movie trailers that have had an impact on me, and I really can't think of that many. I mean, I, I just, I, I don't know what the famous movie trailers are, I guess is what I'm saying. I can think of some more recent ones, because that's what I think is kind of sad, is that if you don't recognize it when it happens, they kind of disappear. I remember some older ones. I remember before Star Trek VI came out, and there was a teaser trailer. And this is, it's funny because you were saying before how you thought the new Star Trek movie, the teaser, didn't really give you anything. Yeah. But in the Star Trek VI trailer didn't give you anything either, but it was really well put together. All it did was show this sort of montage of clips from like the TV show and the other movies and all this. And they had like this guy talking about, we've traveled with these men and they've, they've been our friends and our companions, you know, on, a, on this great journey. You know, like this really like like search engine. Kind yeah, of, I've seen that one. And then they—they've been our guides, our friends. And then like as very, they, as it continues on, you realize that you're looking at these images off the hull yeah, of the Enterprise projected. as it's flying away. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that, that was good. But it's it filled you with a sense of wow because they were saying this is going to be the final journey. <laughs> yeah, that was only like four movies ago. <laughs> well, luckily it was the final journey of that cast. Those guys might have been a little bitter that they didn't get some more work, but at least you went out on top because that movie, you know, was fun and cool. Like it was a good finale movie to have. Which one is that? The sixth one is where they they make peace with the Klingons. The undiscovered country. Yes. Which is a line from Hamlet. Is that the one where Kirk and uh, I guess it's Spock get captured by the Klingons and put into the work camp or something like that? Yeah, and they go to that that prison planet. Kirk and McCoy, yeah. McCoy, yeah. See, I, I'm such a bad Star Trek nerd. <laughs> I think you're our anchor on the show because you're such a bad nerd in general. You're like, what's the movie with the guy? I can see their eyes rolling. What happened in Star Trek Six? Like, oh, noob. <laughs> was that Star Trek? Well, that was a fun trailer, and the, and the, and there are several trailers out there that I think give you a surprise or something like that. That 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 does make you remember them which is which is pretty cool especially teasers because they don't have a lot to work uh, with. but uh you know things like this new star trek one where you know you kind of start to put the pieces together slowly and uh and at the end of it you realize it's a trailer for the new star well, trek i thought one. it was obvious from the get-go <laughs> but it's funny because it kind of advertises something to the people who won't want to see it like this kind of oh is this star trek <laughs> like he's like, like yeah that's right <laughs> yeah like, this looks kind of interesting. Oh, never mind. That's a good teaser, though, where you're like, oh, this looks pretty. Oh, come on. But I was, there's a new movie out right now called Vantage Point. It has a really sharp trailer. Like, and, and, I, and I respect it when I see a really sharp trailer because I'm like, I probably wouldn't have gone to see this movie. But this trailer is really making me want to go see this movie. You know, the way they cut it all together really makes the story look interesting. 
is one of those movies, those 24 style movies where, you know, all these different points of view because something's going on and everybody's got like video cameras and whatever. And they all have to come together. Like for some reason, Dennis Quaid has to get together with Forrest Whitaker because he's the only one who had a camera and the president got shot or something, you know. But the trailer makes it look awesome. I thought the, the Cloverfield trailer was pretty good because it, it just got you wondering. Yeah, that is, that's a good example. Because it, it said nothing and it really made everyone think, ooh, this looks cool. What's this well, Yeah, that be? trailer really sold that movie in my mind. I mean, yeah, I went to see it because yeah. of that trailer. I kind of got mad that I didn't get a chance to see it sooner because they ended up later on giving more away. Sometimes the teaser is better because that later on when they're trying to sell you on the movie, they show too many clips. Like the the ones after it had been out for a couple of weeks, you actually see the monster and the commercials. Yeah, the, well – that is a shame, but I guess they figure if you haven't, if you're not aware of it by then, then you're not paying attention. Yeah, they're trying to draw you in at that point. You know, you're not going to take a hint at that point. You got to say, "Look, there's a monster." Okay, go see the movie. Another example of a movie that right. um, the trailer was better uh, was Superman Returns. I thought that movie. I thought the trailer for that was awesome. I was so ready to go see the the new Superman movie when. Yeah. That's an easier movie to trailer though, because it's a movie people want to see anyway. So the trailer just has to say, guess what? This is going to be cool and play the music. Well, that was the same way with Star Wars. I mean, you know, people people probably getting jazzed about the Star Wars trailer when they saw the trailer because those visuals were back. You know, people were wanting to see, uh, you know, just to go back to that world. And, of course, you know, when they got to that world, it sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Like we get, it rained and we had to stay at the hotel the whole time. <laughs> That's what happened when we went. But the brochure was great. Had all the things the brochure said. We just couldn't go. Giant fish. And, yeah. uh, yeah. I know these scenes where they're about to get eaten by a giant fish and like, what is going on? It's going to be awesome. Trailers are an interesting. You can really track the the progress of our cultural sophistication through trailers if you get like the princess bride dvd and look at the trailer for that that's in the mid 80s that's not that long ago but that trailer looks like it was made in the 50s it's like a boy meets a girl they ride on a horse they have some adventures you know it's just completely old school looking and maybe they were doing that to be funny i don't know but i bet if you go look at some lethal weapon trailers or something like that it's the same way i bet they're very dated looking much more so than the movies themselves because I don't think they put much stock into trailers back then. I don't think they put much effort into them. And at some point, at some point, they decided totally trailers true. were an art, and they started really tra- making much better trailers. And now the trailers are better than we like we say than a lot of the movies. Yeah, sure. I get mad when I get. I don't want to be late for a movie because I want to see the good trailers. Dark Knight has a pretty cool looking teaser trailer right now. I think there's a full length trailer, but I haven't seen it. But they had a pretty cool, pretty typical. Where, you know, they're just showing, they're playing audio clips and yeah. you don't see any of the video yet. Get some of my nerves. And then, you know, they, they zoom in and it's like the bat symbol. I don't know why. I remember the first Batman uh, t- teaser for that, the 1989 or whatever Batman movie. I actually remember that because it was just this huge bat symbol and he slowly zooms out and reveals it. And I thought at the time I was like eighth grade. I thought that was cool, but I've I've gotten over that. I'm no longer into the teaser where we start on a super close shot of something. You're like, oh no, what is it? And you pull out, and it's just a symbol. And you're like, oh, I can't wait. No longer am I interested in that because yeah. we're so used to that. You know, the that device isn't as clever as it used to be. You're like, oh, this is going to end up being something. What is it? 
or they'll start a trailer out and you can tell this isn't what it's really about. What is this? Like some kind of Dukes of Hazard <laughs> kind of movie or something, you know, there's always like making it look like it's going to be something like that's not what it is. This is going to be something dumb. So people are getting savvier. Well, the Star Trek one, the recent Star Trek one is probably the most recent time that i thought that that was cool that you know that they yeah, i'll see i didn't think it was cool i thought it was predictable and lazy it looked lazy I, to me i thought it was cool but i do agree that they should have shown some kind of visual that you could take home and i think it should have been a visual of the ship yeah but they're trying to be they're trying to do this thing like you're gonna show up and you're gonna see i don't know if you remember seeing star trek the motion picture or if you've even seen it. i was just a little kid but when the first Star Trek, the motion picture comes along and they just made Star Trek, watch it now. It'll be kind of funny to you because that first scene where they co- they come up on the Enterprise is really involved because they want you to see that ship and they know that you're going to fall in love with that ship. That's obviously the first time Star Trek TV show fans are seeing the ship. In fact, I remember my, my aunt is, is a Star Trek fan. And she was talking about how she went to see that movie and whoever she's, she went to see the movie with a guy and he started to cry when they showed the ship. What do you mean by, by see the ship? They see the ship and the show. What do you- the first scene where they find the Enterprise in the movie, they make a big deal about it because it's the first time you're seeing the Enterprise, first time ever on the big screen. But the first time at all since the TV show, and it's revamped, and it's redesigned, it's cool. And you can tell this is not something that they slapped on the movie poster and in the commercials and everything. They saved it for that because they wanted that reaction. They wanted people to go, oh, my God, it's the Enterprise. And I think that's probably what's happening here. I, I, and that's, I dare yeah, say that, I think so you know, too. that probably even the ship that we see in the trailer is not going to be the ship that – that appears in the movie because if they, I don't think we're going to get to see the ship until they see yeah. the movie from the way this is. Yeah. Going. I think, I think that's going to be one of the things they're saving. I, I think they always do that. They did that with, uh, with the enterprise TV show as well. It was like, uh, uh, before the first episode came out, you had a hard time, you know, trying to find the, uh, a picture of the ship. Sort of like the Knight Rider TV movie. Yeah. yeah that was lame. <laughs> <laughs> they have trailers too. Oddly enough. They do, yes, they do. Actually, and actually, I'll, 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 I'll give them that. They had a pretty good, uh, I guess a, it was a trailer, but it was a commercial on TV, and uh, they were doing it about you know they were it was like a car ad, and they were reading off you know all the features. It's like you know analog brakes, top speed, you know three hundred miles an hour, one hundred twenty five miles to the gallon, and you know all these special features, and Talks. then and then all of a sudden awesome. you know kit the car you know comes in and does a little skid into the frame and then he goes but enough about me <laughs> Which, you know, that's, that's cute. pretty cool <laughs> that's kind of cool you know i don't want to get off on another issue here but am i wrong or would it be cool if the bionic woman would team up with knight rider hell yeah wouldn't that be the perfect car for the bionic <laughs> woman she's always running everywhere it's like i know you got bionic legs but that would piss me off like, look, I know you gave me bionic legs, but that doesn't mean I have to ride up a, a 10-speed everywhere. You know, you can give me a car. You have to wear out the goods. They're both NBC shows, what? right? Yeah, bring them together, man. Who wouldn't love that? Bionic Woman meets Kit. Aren't they both Glenn Larson shows? Didn't he produce both those shows? Mm, I don't know if he had anything to do with the Bionic Woman. I don't know who, who sired the Bionics. <laughs> 
It sounds like a Glenn Larson kind of thing. I don't know. But but Glenn Larson brought us a lot of gold, man. Buck Rogers, Battlestar Galactica. Man, they need to bring Buck Rogers back. They've brought everything else back. Uh, they're working on it, last we heard. No, they are. Me and well, me and Greg got the inside scoop. We're like so scared, like like so excited about it. But according to Aaron Gray, there's <laughs> nerd laugh, nerdgasm. Oh yeah, they should definitely bring Buck Rogers back because I nothing against Battlestar Galactica. I liked that a lot as a kid, and I haven't been keeping up with the new one, admittedly. Yeah. Maybe now that it's over, I'll but, get uh, it. they've brought Doctor Who back. I love Doctor Who. They brought it back. Buck Rogers was my favorite, though. That was my favorite as a kid. Yeah, as long as it's not like the Flash Gordon, because they they got better near the end with Flash Gordon, but they didn't seem to. It's so weird to say that when they don't have the budget to keep up with the idea of Flash Gordon. But that's what it seemed like. Not even stylish. Well, that's what worries me about Buck Rogers is because it it. It, you could very easily make it just like Macho Machismo show, and uh, uh, yeah, or just bring back the character who predates the show that we're familiar with. So you could bring back Buck Rogers and not have it be the Buck Rogers that we know. Well, I just uh, hope it has the same charm. Yeah, I just don't want them well, to do like you know, like they're doing with Knight Rider, where they've tweaky. got a guy you know who's driving the car who's a complete jerk because he's such a macho ass, you know. Well, that's and what the, I guess they're trying to appeal to kids today, but they need to be appealing to the nerds because that's that's the only people they're going to get. I know kids don't give a crap about Knight Rider. The nerds watch Knight Rider. Yeah, well, what Aaron Gray, who played Wilma Deering, said at the panel at Dragon Con, <laughs> and both attended. <laughs> you you told me to go. I made you go, and I'm so proud. You made, you made me go. <laughs> And I was I was happy I know, for man. it. So you dogging but, these panels all the time. Now we're gonna go. We're gonna go to all of them next year. That is true. And I, I just I would like to continue to drink throughout all this stuff. That's the only thing that bothers me with them. I'm sure I would enjoy myself a lot more. <laughs> we could even go to the Babylon Five panels if we just tie one on. <laughs> so what does she say at the panel? But well, what she said was that. There was a, a prominent Hollywood producer of like big movies who really liked Buck Rogers and had had gotten a hold of the rights, and he was a big fan of the actual show, mm-hmm. like the the eighties show, and he would like to sort of revive it in that that same vein. And if that happened, then you know people who were fans of that show would enjoy it. But it, it's he can't be named for some reason. Well, I'm sure not, because it's it's not a done deal. But if he already has he already has the rights. What what more is there to just secure the funding or something? Probably. I mean, I, it sounded to me like it was. I mean, it was moving forward. I mean, of course, it's hard to tell in a conference like that. But uh, well, yeah, everything is in production in yeah. Hollywood. You know, everything's in development. I should say, development hell is what what they call <laughs> it. I remember cinema Cinescape, and and the, I think. I think it was Cinescape, is a magazine I used to read. Used to have a section on development hell. Yeah. Because genre movies are so frustrating to the people who want to see them. There's always a, a hundred adaptations of sci-fi shows, books, or comic books that will never see the light of day, but are currently in development. You know, like the Watchmen movie that they've been working on for like twenty years. 
like aliens versus predator. And then when they finally do make it, you know, it's not good. Did you guys know that they're, um, they're making a GI Joe movie. Did you know that? Yeah. I did hear about that. No. What's, what's the skinny on this? 2009. Ray Park is going to be snake eyes. Wow. That's cool. It's in IMDb. Dennis Quaid is General Hawk. That's cool, too. Uh, Channing Tatum. I don't know who Channing Tatum is. That's Duke. Don't know the name. Sienna Miller as the Baroness. Sounds pretty cool. Marlon Wayans as Ripcord. Rumored. I don't know what that Marlon means. Marlon Wayans. Can't do, can't do it without bringing Marlon Wayans on but board. It's got Destro in it. Storm Shadow. It's going to be awesome, I'm sure. I just think that's cool. Live action G.I. Joe. Yeah, man, I'm all for it. I think it's, I'm all for it. Uh, hey, man, I, I'm totally down with the G.I. Joe movie. Does it mention who's going to produce or direct this film? Director Steven Somers. Somers. Oh, you know him. No, well, you do know him. He did the Mummy movies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Van Helsing. Yeah, this, this oh, sounds. He wrote Van Helsing. Yeah, this sounds like exactly the guy to do it. Well, that's, now I am excited. That guy has a really fun sort of, you know, those movies all have a sort of fun camp action kind of feel to I'm them. looking forward to a trailer of that. I hope it's not just a big cobra symbol. <laughs> <laughs> it probably will be. I mean, that's, I mean, that would be the natural thing for that one. I'm excited about that. I'm ready for the G.I. Joe movie. This is a good time to be a nerd. I know we got to get back to trailers, but I've been saying for years they should make a G.I. Joe movie. I mean... That that it's it's laid out perfectly for an action movie. It's a paramilitary team with colorful characters. It has cultural recognition already, so people have already heard of it. It's not something that they don't know what yeah, it is. Yeah, plus it's probably going to be awesome. He'll fight for freedom wherever there's trouble. GI Joe. Exactly. I mean, you've got the all-American hero Duke kind of guys, oh but you God. also got Snake Eyes <laughs> and cool guys like that. GI Joe against Cobra and Destro fighting to save the day. And thankfully, there's no mention <laughs> of Serpentor here. What was the deal like when they rechanged? They changed the the theme song because for a while it was Cobra and Destro, and for a while, for a while it was Cobra and Destro, and for a while Cobra it the was enemy. Cobra the Enemy. I think enemy. originally it was the Enemy, and then they Destro became a popular character. Like, well, let's bring him in. And then somehow Destro, there was like Destro became disparate from Cobra. He's like not a member anymore. Yeah, he's a whole. Separate well, Destro enemy. was just an arms dealer anyway. He was like he wasn't really part of Cobra at all. You know, he was just their 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 arms dealer. But is that like the Gilligan's Isle theme where in the original version they were like, and the rest. <laughs> like, and then they had to change it go, and the professor and Mary Ann. Like, see, it wasn't hard to get us in. This is actually something I'd like to do a whole show on, actually, is is Saturday morning Altered and, theme and afternoon cartoons. But, you know, but, uh, um, but yeah, there were different versions of the, uh, the theme song. If you remember in the G.I. Joe animated movie, Cobra had their own theme. Oh, they did? Well, yeah, it goes Cobra, Cobra. It was really <laughs> actually. Weird. I don't think I've ever actually cobra. seen that. Oh my lord! If you haven't, oh, we've seen GI Joe the animated. I've, I've seen parts to... of it because I know like Don Johnson did a voice in in it. No, I remember I bought this for like three dollars from a movie gallery. <laughs> I have it somewhere. All the movies always come after the toy lines kind of died out. If you notice that, the G.I. Joe movie came a little too late. That was, by that point, Transformers 2. By that point, the toys weren't cool anymore. They'd gotten into the weird stuff. They were trying to revive the franchise. Well, they would usually do that to restart the, yeah, to restart the toy line that, that where they could, well, in Transformers, they did it to where they could kill off the old 
uh, characters and add new ones. It worked in Transformers. They did a whole new Transformers show after that, and it was somewhat successful. But G.I. Joe, when it ran its course, wasn't cool anymore. This is going to be, man, I can't wait for them to do a G.I. Joe movie. That's going to be awesome. And then, then they got to do Voltron. They'll do Voltron after that. That'd be A live-action Voltron would be incredible. Voltron would be cool just for because in live-action, that would look cool. Anyway, we can t- we'll talk about that on next week. I, w- I want to do a, I want to do a whole show on that. We can do a whole show on cartoons. <laughs> Hell yeah, we could. <laughs> God knows we could do it easy. Yeah, do it let's do up. that next week. I'm I, I'm down with that. Yeah. On on a horror movie front, I saw a trailer for a movie that I was really impressed with. That makes me want to see the movie called The Strangers. I don't know. Have you seen? I guess you guys haven't seen it. We haven't been renting the same movies no, I have. Nope. But the, it looks, it's just a cool trailer. It, it, The way they clip it together makes it look scary, makes it look cool. Horror movies have an edge because all horror movies have to have is like some kind of weird noise. And then whenever they want to cut from one scene to another, they just do that. And then they like kind of slow things down and everything goes out of focus. And you know what's going on. But you're like, whoa, this is kind of scary. <laughs> you don't know what's happening. The tra- Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the remake, had a trailer like that. Meow. What's happening? See, that's awesome. <laughs> it doesn't take much. That's what makes me mad about movies. It's like, do you, are you here in the show? It doesn't take much. And we're happy. <laughs> <laughs> and then like, you somehow made a movie that we didn't think was cool after you saw where the bar was set. Movie trailers do some things that make me mad. And um, We've discussed this first one before, so I won't get into it, where they show... St- scenes that aren't in the, the clips movie that aren't in the movie or scenes that are different than the scenes that are in the movie that bothers oh, me but you know what's real bad for that i just recently watched balls of fury yeah yeah i did <laughs> <laughs> and i'll tell you why because last summer when i went to the movies every movie i saw i saw the balls of fury trailer no matter what it didn't matter if what i went to see it was balls of fury you could be going to see like the life of Martin Luther King and they would trailer Balls of Fury in front of it. <laughs> Regardless of the kind of film you were going to see, they wanted you to know, oh yeah, by the way, Balls of Fury. And why not? And so I was like, okay, the, the trailer looked okay. I finally Netflixed the movie and it's just like you were talking about these. I know these scenes because I've seen them 12 times and they use different takes in the trailer than they did in the movie. And it gave me the impression that the trailer takes were funnier and it made the movie seem slow and made it seem kind of like, like it lagged. Like, cause even the timing, like the people who edited the trailer seemed to understand comedy timing better than the people who edited the movie. It makes you wonder, doesn't it? It does make me wonder. I think trailer editors are pure genius and I, I hope there, that there's some kind of like upward mobility that they move into actually cutting together movies. Uh- one movie that was a case study for that sort of thing. Uh, actually, there was an article about it. Was um, um, Clear and Present Danger? Remember that uh, Harrison Ford movie? Mm-hmm. Um, sure. There's a scene in it where James Earl Jones says something uh, to Harrison Ford. Uh, he says, "There's never been a terrorist attack on U.S. soil." This was before 9/11, of course. And uh, yeah. Uh, but in the in the trailer, Harrison Ford goes, "But I killed his brother." talking about the bad guy and, and all that. And he says it like that, you know, very strongly. Well, when you actually go to the, the movie, James Earl Jones delivers that line. 
And Harrison Ford goes, but I killed his brother. It's a much quieter scene. I think in the context of a trailer, though, you kind of have to use the more dramatic delivery because that line stands by itself. In the context of a scene, you have to use the so, the more subtle performance. Well, I mean, you can, but but there's an argument that says that you're misrepresenting the movie when you do yeah, something. Yeah, it's false advertising, man. That's what yeah. I'm saying. But we've talked about this before. In, in almost all of these cases, the trailer is cut before the final edit of the film. These guys aren't seeing the edit of the movie and then condensing it into a trailer. They're getting some of the same footage that the actual film editors are getting, and they're putting together a trailer from that. So it's not like they're deliberately trying to use the wrong scene. They're just using what they think represents the trailer best. I kind of think they're deliberately using the wrong scene. I actually think they shoot scenes for the trailer in some cases. I I would bet that's true. I would bet that's true because sometimes you'll see in a movie all the time where – and this does bother me – where it's like an R-rated movie or something. And the line in the movie has like an expletive or whatever that you can't say. But in the trailer, they did a different version that doesn't have that. That's like a PG-13 mm-hmm. version for the commercial, and they use that. And I'm like, that clearly has to be that they planned to use that line in the the advertising or maybe the made-for-TV version or I whatever. I think that happened in um, um, that movie Necessary Roughness. Uh, in the trailer, uh, Sinbad, who was you know big in the, at the time, uh, he he played linebacker in the movie, and there was a lot of scenes where, you know, he's he's in the, uh, on the line there talking to the player across the way, and he's making all these little funny jokes. All I mean, and in the trailer they're hilarious, but when you get to the movie, none of which make none, it in the none movie. None of them make it What's... to the movie. And maybe a couple of little lines, but but not the ones that were in the trailer, and uh, and the movie itself actually was a was a little bit, you know, of a. It wasn't so slapsticky as they portrayed it to be. Oh, uh, well, you could, man, I'll tell you right now, comedy trailers, I don't have as much respect for those guys. <laughs> because I'll tell you right now, it is a rarity when I see a trailer for a comedy that I think, that looks funny. Because most of the time I'm like, that looks awful. And it turns out to be funny. Because they used the worst possible jokes in the trailer. That's true. Now, that's not always true, but I'm trying to think of an exception. I know they're there, but I'm not thinking of any. Also, another thing about, you know, talking about different versions being shot, they I know they do that for for other things, too. They they edit different versions for, you know, uh, in-flight movies, for, of course, for television. They want to take all the swears and stuff out. You know, they'll, they'll shoot a different. And they do occasionally shoot a different scene knowing it's going to go into one of those right. versions. Right, so. So I mean that yeah, I mean that you could, could you know, account for some of the differences as well, but I do I do honestly think that you know if they're sitting there and go this would be a good scene for a trailer, but it needs to be a little bit more intense, you know let's do another take and, and make it a little bit more, you know, more gruff or something, and and, and then they use that one for the trailer. I mean and I'd probably do it too. I mean I'm trying to I'm trying to sell well, my I movie. Think, Come but on, I don't <laughs> think those guys are deliberately trying to go against what they know will end up in the movie. But I do, I do think that they're given a certain amount of footage and they use whatever they think works best for what they're trying to do. And sometimes this will make me crazy in a movie, but sometimes it works because sometimes it's better. They'll clip together sequences of events or dialogue that don't even happen in the movie. <laughs> 
like they'll clip it together so it sounds like a joke happened somewhere or something's funnier than it really is or whatever. And it's not even the way the scene plays out in the movie at all. They're just like trying to cut together like, man, this movie sucks. You can tell the trailer yeah. editor must not like the movie. We got to do something because that's not working at all. Well, it's funny at that point. If I, I think if I'd seen the trailer and it's funnier than my actual movie, I'd go fire my editor and go get the trailer guy. <laughs> I'll go pick that guy's brain because he seems to understand comedy better than I do. But that almost never happens. Just to clarify, most of the time, comedy trailers are awful. Just like most of the time, horror trailers are good. You have to be real careful because there's a lot of funny movies out there that aren't being represented very well. Yeah, it's a lot to do with visuals. What makes a lot of horror trailers good is because horror movies have really cool visuals to work with, but comedies rarely have any visuals to work with. It's all about the circumstance of the scene, the subtleties, and you can't yeah, which convey is, that. It's hard to represent a comedy in one good mm -hmm. funny line like it is to represent a horror movie in one really good image. Here's a teaser I do remember, and I got a little mad because the, the real movie kind of didn't follow this at all. Remember the Incredible Hawk tease where it just showed like a cabin out in the woods yeah. and then it just explodes like something inside it just breaks it into pieces? And when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah. this movie's going to be a lot of fun. And I did like the Incredible Hawk movie, but it was nothing like what the trailer implied. It wasn't that kind of movie at all. Yeah, I, I'll go ahead and say I liked that movie too. Like, it, I... There is a lot of stuff in it that's pretty bad, but I did like it, okay, and it is a weird, interesting kind of take on the Hulk, but there they didn't know how to advertise that movie, because the Hulk's a difficult character to sell in a movie anyway, and his take on it was even weirder. I remember when the Super Bowl ad came out for the Hulk, and they had some of the initial effects shots in the Hulk, and they weren't really that fleshed out. So the Hulk looked even, you know, he looked really stupid in those. And everyone was like, oh, this is going to suck. Because that was a good example of you don't want to give away the look of the creature too soon. But they were so excited about, like, trailering that thing during the Super Bowl. I remember by comparison, when Batman had its Super Bowl ad, the dark, uh, when the, the Batman Begins had their Super Bowl ad, just whatever, whatever scenes they used were like, oh, my God, I want to see it. They weren't even showing what Batman looked like, you know. They showed you what the Scarecrow looked like, and that was it. They're like, and that, that's Alfred. They're like, oh, oh, good, I got to see Alfred. Like, every little morsel you were excited about. They should have learned from that, all that. That movie had a great teaser trailer, too, if you remember. And it looked, it was one of those kind of switcheroo, like, fish hook teasers, because it just cuts to Christian Bale, and he's telling, like, I went all around the world, and and I realized that there was something something dark and something awful and blah, 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 blah. You know, something that would not stop until it had revenge. And, you know, and it's, and it's me. <laughs> you know? And that scene's not in the movie at all. I don't know if they shot that scene for the movie or if they actually shot that with the intention of making it a teaser. But it was very effective. Because to be Batman, you're like, oh, this one's going to be it. This one's going to be dark and creepy and crazy and Batman. You know, everything you want. And they delivered. That's what made that a good trailer, too, is that the movie delivered. Uh, here's an example of a trailer that um, that I thought was not as good as the movie, which is a counterintuitive argument to what we were saying earlier. The teaser 
trailer anyway for the the first Lord of the Rings movie. I thought it was very uninteresting. The shot where it just shows the the fellowship climbing over the mountain one at a time. Well, I think they didn't they didn't have anything, but that was effective on my for me because there was nothing. And the idea of a Lord of the Rings movie was I mean, it was unheard of for people like me, you know, your whole life is spent with people going, you know what that'll make movies of? Lord of the Rings. You're like, yeah, no, why don't they? Yeah. But then this trailer didn't have to show a thing. All it had to say was, that's right. It's for real. I guess. See these guys on this mountain? That's a clip from the movie. But it's, I mean, it, and it was me smart, I guess, because it shows all of the characters. But at the same time, it doesn't, it doesn't have any... It it would not grab someone that wasn't already a Lord of the Rings fan, I wouldn't think at all. Right. And I don't think they were attempting to. I mean, I remember seeing it and thinking, Oh, that's cool, you know, there's Boromir. That's I know, and it advertised it and it committed to the whole trilogy. It was like it was like coming coming this Christmas fellowship. Coming next Christmas, the two towers. Like, whoa, whoa, what? Coming the next Christmas, return of the king. Like, good lord. <laughs> they got the whole thing planned out. It's really happening, all three movies? Back to back to back. Like, because the other thing that, that fanboys are scared out of their minds of when it comes to sci-fi movies is the serenity syndrome. The idea that they'll sign on for a quote-unquote three-picture deal and the first one won't make any money. <laughs> and that'll be that. And when you got something like The Lord of the Rings, you're like, man, I just I don't think I could take it if they made The Fellowship of the <laughs> Ring and the movie is continued and then there's no other movie. That would break your heart. I can't deal with that right now in my life. I got a lot of things going on, you know, I need to win. I can't think of any other uh, good trailers that I've seen that have really gotten me excited about anything. Do you remember, I, you probably don't remember the Dark Man trailer. No, I don't. I've, I saw Dark that? Man in the theater, but I don't remember the trailer at all. I remember, see, I always liked Dark Man, but Dark Man being a concept, you know, that came from nothing, like it wasn't adapted from anything. It was a pretty wild idea for a movie. And I remember seeing the Darkman trailer because not only did they have the trailer running, but before that, for months on, they would just have like these odd clips on TV and go, who is Darkman? And say nothing. It was really kind of clever because it was like, you know, whatever the had the line was, in the darkest hour, there is a light that shines on every human being, but one, Darkman. And you're like, yeah, that's right, Darkman. You don't even know what you're about to go see. I remember RoboCop being that way when they first trailered RoboCop for the same reason. You're you're in the theater and you're like, is this really a trailer I'm seeing? Is this a real movie? Mm-hmm. Where they took a guy and made a RoboCop out of yeah, it? Yeah, I seem to remember liking the RoboCop trailer. I'm getting excited about that one. Well, I remember thinking, that's a, we're going to go see that. <laughs> that's all I remember. Remember that first Batman? I don't... I See, this is maybe an urban legend. This may be in my head. I want to do a show about this one day, a show about scenes that I remember in my head, but when I see the movie now, it's different, and I'm like, is the original cut different, or is it <laughs> Did, in my head? didn't actually have. I'd like to do a show about how crazy I am. But I remember in Batman specifically, I remember, and I, I, th- I thought this was in the trailer, there's a scene in Michael Keaton Batman where he jacks a guy up against the wall, and the guy's like, you don't own the knight, and he says, tell your friends, I am the knight. And I was like, oh, what a badass line. And then um, in the movies, like, tell your friends, 
I'm Batman. There's actually one classic one like that in Casablanca. He he doesn't say play it again, Sam. He never says that. There's a whole series of of, of notes where he, like he doesn't say play it again, Sam. You know, no one in Star Trek ever says beam me up, Scotty, or he's dead, Jim. Are you kidding? He never says beam me up, Scotty. Uh uh-uh. uh. There's all kinds of weird variations of it, but but no one ever actually says beam me up, Scotty. No way. He's he's dead, Jim. Is said he does say that. Oh, well, that the beam yeah. me up, Scotty. Then. Well, that's an interesting subject for but, a show. But yeah, actually, I'll, if you want your nerd alert, I'll give it to you. <laughs> because that I am the night line is somewhere in Batman because and probably was the trailer because it, it actually appears that way in uh, in the Batman comic book adaptation. Nerd alert. <laughs> Yikes! You know. Also, I'll t- you, you know, I'm not going to redeem myself at all, but I'll tell you, I remember when the movie came out, there was an article, and I can't even remember who was talking about it, but they were talking about the very original script of the movie. There, they were talking about that line being in it, and how they thought, well, if that line is in the movie, then they know what they're doing with Batman. Yeah, that's the Batman line. And apparently, they didn't. <laughs> yes. And then they got it. <laughs> I'm Batman. <laughs> I guess those guys, whoever it was, they were proven to be true. I am the knight is definitely a, a very a much cooler. Oh, thing it makes to say. so much more sense too. It makes sense with the context of what the bad guy was saying in that scene. Whereas, tell your friends, I'm Batman. I'm, they obviously cut yeah. that. I don't know. They whatever. I'm not going to get into it. But people feel like even Batman Begins had that I'm Batman line somehow. The people who make Batman movies feel like you have to have a line where he identifies himself as Batman. Which is so silly because, I mean, eventually they would, I mean, the public would start calling him Batman. The, the, the newspapers would come yeah, up with that Yeah, doesn't eventually. it make more sense that that people would, well, he's a man dressed as a bat. I guess he's Batman. In every other, like, superhero movie, the press sort of assigns the monikers. But in Batman, they want everyone to know, no. Batman is his idea. He's Batman. Here's the thing about trailers. Can can you think of any trailers, though, that are for a movie? Like, we talk about Star Wars and Star Trek and all these other things, but these movies already have us hooked anyway. Were these trailers effective on people that weren't Star Wars fans? That's the real question. I think there are trailers that are designed for fans and, and ones that are designed for people who don't know anything about the movie. It seems like you don't even need a trailer for the fans because they're going to go regardless. You don't have to aim a trailer at them. I mean, it's nice to give them a treat, but it's not necessary for advertising. You know what I mean? I think you need a trailer with the good clips for the non-fans. I think like when people saw the – I think the, the Phantom Menace – was a good trailer for fans because it looked like Star Wars, but I think it was a good trailer for non-fans because it just showed a lot of crazy action. That's all they need to see. They just want to know they're not going to see like a $20 million character piece about characters they don't like. They want to know there's a lot of action so that, you know, when people start talking about the Force and nerdy stuff like that, there's like still something like there will be a laser sword fight to, to, sa- to save it. I think uh, that's also true about the trailer you mentioned earlier for Star Trek Six. I think uh, um, that one was geared. It, well, it, I think it, it struck a fine balance between being a fanboy trailer and a general audience trailer because you know the fanboys watched it and and became sentimental about it. It's like, oh yeah, man, this is so sad. These 
these characters are going away. But I think it appealed to general audiences in that, oh, you know, this is the last one. Well, you it's know, a I'll, I'll go see it because it's the last one. Yeah, and if this uh, is the last one, I want to see how they go out. I kind of like Star Trek. Yeah, I totally believe that. If they, they push it to the mainstream as sort of a milestone film. And I think what's sad about that is they tried to do the same thing with the last Next Generation film in sort of a half-hearted way. Where they were like, this is the last one. It's like, Of course it's the last one. We haven't watched the other three. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't have the same impact on the mainstream, like on one final journey. It's like, you're still making those. I stopped going to see those like four movies ago. So that's one I saw was Star Trek six. Exactly. <laughs> it's really hard because they never sold that franchise to the mainstream. Like they did the original. So you couldn't go. This is the last ride because people didn't care. It's the last ride. Cause I'm not going. I remember the matrix had a pretty cool trailer. And I didn't know what that was, so that, that kind of hooked me in. But yet again, it's the, it's the kind of movie that would hook someone like me in. I'd be impressed if a trailer would bring me into like a romantic comedy. Oh. That would be a good trailer, because you, I'm, you'd have to take me kicking and screaming. I know, because those are awful. Well, I mean, I have to say, you know, Cloverfield has hooked me to the point that I want to go see that movie. I mean, and that's not my normal type of movie. Blair Witch was the same thing. The trailer for that, the whole marketing campaign for that was very interesting more interesting than well, the movie itself and they used the they used the internet like no one else had like they because they had a movie that was so small it almost looked documentarian they took it that next step and actually for a while had people thinking that that was based on something yeah i'd real. heard that many times well, it, it wasn't until the movie was actually out that i found out that it wasn't real i'd heard that oh yeah this is real footage they found they put oh, this yeah. together and i was how intriguing that was what a neat idea. Well, I have to say, I kind of bought that, too. They could have made it work if they hadn't made those kids yeah. famous. If they hadn't made those kids famous and then they came out and they were, like, doing appearances, then they could have made it work forever. But, you know, then those kids come out and they're doing Steak and Shake commercials. <laughs> <laughs> like, wait a second. They weren't killed by a witch at all. <laughs> She's working at Steak and Shake. <laughs> a tough fate worse than death by witch. Yeah, really. The witch's curse has other repercussions. Hey, have you guys seen the trailer for that, um... That Doomsday movie? That looks like a lot of fun. Well, the, that's the return of the Mad Max. It's like in this, in Doomsday, it's not a nuclear apocalypse, though. It's some kind of plague. And it's sort of like Mad Max meets Escape from New York, where they 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 wall off this this urban area because yeah. everyone's Let got them a plague. All die. And then they find out years later that some of them lived. And they send their hottest chick ever like they're like oh well this is a delicate mission let's send in the hottest chick we can find on a motorcycle well just explain to me though this is what bothers me about the future even in the trailer the few shots they show of the people left in a the city they're covered in tattoos they have this crazy blue tattoos. hair like mohawks and, and stuff mohawks. It's like why like, i can't believe we're still afraid of the mohawk crowd <laughs> that's why i thought road warrior when i saw that like are you serious because I'll tell you in my real in my real life, I'll tell you a story. But it, I I remember one time I was out by the pool with a bunch of my roommates' friends, and one of them kept talking about how he didn't like to be out in the sun because he had sleeves, you know, those tattoos that go yeah. all the way up the arms, like the complete, like it covers the arms, and he didn't like to be out in the sun because the sun could damage his expensive tattoos. All right then. 
And I'm like, you know, chicks see this guy and think he's dangerous, but here he is talking about how he can't be out in the sun because these tattoos were too expensive. I just don't get the uh, the future has to be covered up in in Mad Max fashion. I really don't get that. I just don't get it. I think it shows how the 80s movies will always survive because they're clearly taking the Max Mad the Mad Max aesthetic there. Isn't that crazy that no one is no one can innovate this? <laughs> That, yeah, we still have the same cultural nightmare of what the future will be. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. But first of all, hairstyles are going to go completely out of whack. That's going to be step one. We're going to watch this movie when it comes out. Then we're going to do our post-apocalyptic episode because that's something that... That's a good, that's a good idea. That's a good topic. I mean, yeah, I'd do that. I mean, I'm I'd... looking at a picture from that movie right now, and it's of a bus, like a city bus covered in graffiti it's got chains draped all over it it's got huge iron pipes welded over the tires and the wind a fence over the windshield big surprise some kind of spear gun like thing on the top of it big surprise and at the bottom go look at this it's picture number seven of 17 on imdb underneath it a guy on a motorcycle a guy with a mohawk and another guy with a baseball bat big surprise <laughs> Honestly, know, come on! Like, why is the first order of business to soup up a bus? Well, how else Always. are you going to transport yourself around the city in a an armored bus <laughs> with a weapon on the top for no apparent reason? I'm pretty sure that I can find a, a lower profile means of travel. Oh, anyways, I'm going to go see it though. Anyway, we should probably be wrapping this up. Uh, yeah, I think we uh, I think we've covered the uh, the trailers and all that. Uh, before we go, though, I would like to uh, uh, give a shout out to somebody who sent us some fan mail this week. Well, thanks to Joanna, who gave us an email. It's the first email we've gotten in a long time, and uh, every email we get means a lot to us. It was feedback about the comic book episode, and uh, she gave us some some a nice positive review. Thanks for that. Gave us a, a cool suggestion for a title to look at. Yeah. Uh, thanks for that as well. So if by some miracle she's still listening <laughs> by this episode. Well, we appreciate, we it. appreciate it. We appreciate that. every one of you who is still listening after all this time. And uh, feel free to write us, anybody. Feedback at tv8mydinner.com. We will write you back. Sean wrote her back. Sean is uh, very good about writing people back. I do write people back. And uh, we appreciate it. Thanks, Joanna. <laughs> I also want to give a shout out to um, my man, Aaron who is uh, our number one fan. He's, he listens to every episode. So he listened to the beat down episode apparently like three or four times. So Aaron, well, you are cool. the man. I also like to give a shout out to my boy lunchbox <laughs> spaghetti noodle. I like everybody. I did enjoy the beat down episode. I felt like, I feel like we really tapped into something that, that, that I believe in quite strongly. Those of you that haven't checked out some of our older episodes, Go check it out. Check out the beatdown episode. Check out the action rock episode. It's good stuff. Go to tv8mydinner.com and you can find all of those there. Yeah, we do have more good episodes besides <laughs> just this one. And if you don't like this one, then we have better episodes than this one. We have, gosh, we've got a bunch of so survival guides. We've got an adventure movie survival guide, a zombie survival guide. Uh, we'll get you through the night. No doubt. We'll get you through it. That's what makes me mad if people who aren't listening to the show by now. You tell me the situation that we haven't we haven't worked to get civilization through to the other side. Just of robot attacks, and we're gonna we're gonna do that. That's coming up. Oh, robots! Yeah, I, the only reason we haven't done a robot episode is because I'm still steeped in the research. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be our most well informed episode. episode yeah, actually, you know what, Sean? I was in the library the other day, and uh, sure as the world, I found that book. 
which one? The, How to Survive a Robot Uprising? Or the the or Love and Sex with Robots, which is what I'm reading now. That's a good book. That's a lot of fun. The Love and Sex book, I'm not sure if that'll help us survive robots, but it, it proves it looks like it's going to be interesting. <laughs> but it might just help us die with Either smiles way. on our faces, right? Yeah. It might just help Sean and his personal research. <laughs> I'm not sure. Not sure if it's going to turn into an episode or not, but I'm going to go into it Does pretty thoroughly. Does that book have specifications? Is there something that we need to build? Yeah, really. It's, the, it looks strangely like the same design as Brooks's time machine. <laughs> time coils. <laughs> Why does every futuristic device have nipple clamps? This can't be right. I'm sure I'm – like I'll tell you this right now. It took me an hour and a phone call to an outside party to build my bed frame. So I know I'm not going to build anything that I'm going to you know, put the business in. That's something beyond me. Anyways, <laughs> feedback at tv8mydinner.com. Give us an email. Darkcrazy.com. I did have a quick right, update quick to update. something we quick talked update. about the other night, though. We, the Delilah, we were talking about that Hey There, Delilah song. Yeah. And I did, uh, I did corroborate the story that I that I sort of loosely told about how she was like. Well, I said she was a shot putter, <laughs> which, which I was sure when I said it was wrong. So or, that's, or women's basketball. You also men- mentioned uh, women's yeah. basketball, uh, which I was also. I will I will apologize by saying she was part of a nothing sport because apparently she's an Olympic level runner. Oh well, there you go. Come is, on, that's not a nothing yeah. sport at all. Uh, yeah, okay. When was the last time you get you paid $500 to attend a track meeting? I have never paid $500 to attend anything. So, I don't think that's a fair What I comparison. mean is like this football people pay big money for. Right, well, you know, but shot putting is it's the same level as running. It's they're both track and field sports. Well, then I said shot putting was a nothing sport. So what you're saying, I was right now. Well, I'm saying that you <laughs> apparently think running is a nothing sport too. Well, that's what I said, and I'm I guess I was trying to apologize for it, but now I guess I'm backing it up. <laughs> I guess I'm not sorry. Yeah, well, you ruined that song for me. Thanks. Now I'm uh, imagine so a I guess, shot putter yeah, every I mean, time I hear it. You, sorry, you Olympic-level runners. I guess if you start to chase me, then I won't make it away, but otherwise I don't feel bad. She's out representing our country in an international contest of champions. Look, there's an Olympic-level trampoline. I'm not going to bow down for every Olympic-level sport. Don't they have badminton seen, now? Was it curling? Table tennis? You ever watch someone curl? <laughs> the Olympics aren't exactly as noble as they used to be. Back when it was naked man wrestling in the Greek times. Yeah, exactly. It's lost the nobility of uh, of, of of a public man rape. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Yikes. But this, this girl, Delilah DiCrincenzo, is her That's name. kind of a cool name. Was going to the Grammys with uh, Tom Higginson of the Plain White Tees in order to, according to Time Magazine, give her sport a face. Well, there's our, there's our addendum for you. I guess I guess that was a clarification. That seemed much more insulting than what I originally said. So I guess that update wasn't necessary. Feedback at TV8MyDinner.com. Thanks for listening. Next week, we are going to talk about cartoons. Until then, my name is Brooks. And I'm Greg. I'm Sean. Greg and the Holograms. <laughs> All right. Bye. Dog Crazy. Dog Crazy.